you can talk to me today, because we're going to talk about prayer. Um, and as soon as I said that, a bunch of you just switched off. And the reason why you switched off is because how many people, put up your hand if you've never heard a message on prayer. Never heard a message on, every single person's heard a message on prayer, right? And you've usually heard a message on prayer like, this is how you pray, yes? And these people tell you how to pray, you go away, you try to enact it, and it doesn't really happen for you, you get frustrated, so you stop. But I, would I be about right? If we are just being honest this morning? And the problem is, is because we keep on telling people the how-tos instead of the why we pray. And if there's one thing I want you to understand through this whole series that we're doing on spiritual rhythms, I don't want you to get caught up on the how-to. I want you to get caught up in the heart posture of why we do why we do. Are you, are you with me? Don't get caught up on the how-tos of fasting. Get caught up on what our heart posture should be towards fasting. Because all this stuff, like prayer, reading your Bible, fasting, giving, all the different things that we're going to talk about through this series, all those things become burdensome when we treat them as something that is added on to our lives rather than something that is our lives. It's our lifestyle of prayer. It's a lifestyle of fasting. It's a lifestyle of reading His Word. It's a lifestyle of generosity. It's a lifestyle of hospitality. It's a lifestyle of community. When we make it a lifestyle, then all this other stuff that seems to burden us, like careers, they become the add to. Are you with me? You can't do the Christian life. You can't do this. You will not succeed in following Jesus if it's added. Because it feels burdensome. And if I'm honest with you, a lot of my life, prayer felt like something I had to do. So it became an add-on rather than a joy. And it became a duty rather than a delight. And it was just another thing I had to try and fit into my life. It wasn't until it became part of my lifestyle that it became joyful. Are you with me? And we're probably in this room, there's a bunch of us that don't find prayer joyful. We find it burdensome. And I'm hoping by the end of this morning, you're going to be freed from the burden of it. And it's going to become a joy or something that you're going to explore and journey on and find how it works for you. And that it will bring you to another level in your relationship with God. And you'll be set free from all of that maybe legalistic stuff that you've been taught through the years. Let's look at four, five. Five scriptures really, really quickly. Um, because you need to understand how important prayer was to Jesus. Luke 5, 15 to 16 says this, Yet the news about him, that is Jesus, spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke six twelve says, One of those days Jesus went out onto the mountainside and prayed, and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9, 18 says, once when Jesus was praying in private, Luke 9, 28 says, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James and with him and went up to the mountain to pray. That's when they had the transfiguration of Moses and Elijah appeared alongside Jesus. Luke 11, 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his 
disciples. I, I could list a whole heap more scriptures, but you need to understand, and I think you probably understand already just in those five, that for Jesus, prayer was a center point of his life with the Father. It was woven into his day-to-day practice. It was part of his routine. It was part of his lifestyle. It wasn't something that he added on. It was part of who he was. And even when he was really, really, really busy, he made time for it, sometimes praying all night. Like when he, when he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children and had a big day of preaching and teaching and feeding people and healing their sicknesses. He sends the disciples on a boat to the other side. And the Bible says that he went up onto the mountainside to pray and he prayed all night. I don't know about you and me, but but when I have a busy day or a full day, as I like to say now, rather than busy, when I have a full day, I want to go home and chill out. Jesus understood that what he needed to do was get into his presence. It's a lesson that I'm trying to learn is that maybe, maybe Jesus was onto something. Maybe when I've had a full day, the best thing isn't Netflix, but it's actually in his presence. It didn't seem like a drag for Jesus to have to do this. It wasn't a, a to-do list, checklist thing for him. Yep, read my Bible, prayed. It seems like he really enjoyed prayer and the Father's company. And for most of us, that is not our experience of prayer, if we're honest. For most of us, we know that we need to pray, but it's a real struggle to pray. And if we're honest, like I said earlier, it feels like a duty rather than a delight. And we can sometimes find it really boring. And it feels like it's hard work, especially when Netflix is calling. If we're honest. And I put myself in there with you. To pray today, if we're honest with ourselves, is hard because there's just so many distractions. And, and you know I've been beating up on, on smartphones, and I still think that they're an awesome thing, but they're also an awful thing because they just distract us from the things that are important if we don't have control over them. Do you know that economists have got a saying, and they call it the attention economy? It's actually an economy thing that they've built around how people create money, and they call it the attention economy because there are companies all over this world that their sole purpose of survival is that they make money off getting your attention. They make money off distracting you, getting your attention. And so for most of us, if not all of us, if we're honest, prayer is a weak point in our apprenticeship to Jesus. And I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty or bad. It's, I just think we've just got to be honest about it. I, it's always has been until recently a weak point in my life. I've always found it quite difficult because my brain starts, you know, like I start off with great intentions until about minute three. And then this thing starts thinking about all sorts of stuff. Yes? Am I alone? Can you, can you just show hands just so I don't feel... Cool, thank you. I feel, I feel comforted now. But the thing is, is that I think, and I believe wholeheartedly, everything in my heart, that we, we have to work this out. Because prayer is just about the most important thing that, that any of us could do. It's just about more important than anything else that we could do. Most of you, when you hear the word prayer, you think about locking yourself away 
in a cupboard somewhere for hours on end because you've watched movies like The War Room and you think that's what prayer is. It's an aspect of prayer. I think that somebody that's able to do that has a gift of intercessory prayer on their life. It's their gifting. It's not for everybody, but it's their gift. Just like getting up here and talking is not everybody's gift, but it's my gift. It's one of the things that I'm gifted to do. Just like Pastor Don McDonough has a gift of faith. If you want faith released in your life, you want to be here next Sunday. I don't know anybody that has faith like he has. People have different gifts, and so we think that that's what it means. It means locking ourselves away for hours on our knees, crying out to God, and that just sounds impossible to most of us. Because if you're like me, after about five minutes, your brain starts drifting and you start running out of things to say. And so I want to break down prayer really, really simply for you. Prayer, that is a type of prayer, intercessory prayer, but what prayer really is, what the Scriptures really teach us that prayer is, is this. It's simply talking with God. That's it. The mistake we make is that we think it's talking to God when it's actually talking with God. Because prayer's end goal is a relationship with God. And if all you ever do in your marriage is talk to your wife and not with your wife, it will not go well for you. If all you ever do is talk to your kids but never with your kids, you won't build a relationship with them. And so prayer is simply talking with God. And in that, as we'll see a little bit later on, yes, there's requests and stuff that we present to him, but it's more than that. Right back in the, in, in the Garden of Eden, before Adam and Eve sinned, God used to walk with them in the garden, just walking and talking. That's prayer. That's what prayer is. And on Wednesday, in your, in your devotion, 21 days of prayer and fasting devotion, that we don't, if you don't have one, there's still another one. On Wednesday, it suggests going for a prayer walk. And I want to suggest to you that a really cool idea would be to grab a couple of people in your connect group. And why don't you just go for a walk together and pray all over Pukekohe? Wouldn't that be cool if we prayer walked every street in Pukekohe and just pray for the people? When I go for a walk, I just pray over every letterbox that I go past because it represents a family. You can do that. Or you can turn up here on Tuesday morning at 6.30 a.m. because it's prayer week this week, and you can come and pray with us together here in the main auditorium. And it's not going to be a prayer where we all get in a circle and it's gonna, there's going to be some worship playing, there's going to be some prayer points on the screen, and you can just come in and take your time. It could be 10 minutes could be half an hour, whatever you want to do, and just spend some time just praying. Praying about your lost loved ones, praying about our community, praying about whatever it is that you feel to do. And we'll do that again at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday night. Here's the thing. When I go out on a date with Trinity, the goal on the date is not to talk. Like, ah, Pretty sure when you go on a date, you're meant to talk. Well, but the goal isn't the conversation. The conversation will happen. When I take her out on a date, I want to have conversation with her. But if all I have is conversation without connection, I can have that with anybody. I want to have an intimate connection with her because she's my wife. Amen. 
come on, guys, I'm giving you a foot up, man. The goal is not the conversation. The goal, conversation is the vehicle to experiencing a connection. And prayer is exactly the same. The goal isn't the how to pray. The goal is is that we talk with God so that we may experience a connection with Him. Conversation and how you do it and how you pray and the, God, I, I can't pray because I don't know what to say. That's not the goal. The goal is a connection. And that's why when we do prayer here at 6.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday, just another little pump for it, um, it's not, the goal isn't to get into circles and make you feel embarrassed because you don't know what to pray out loud. The goal is that you just come in here and find a seat or find a place on the floor or stand, do whatever you want to do, lie on your face and just commune with God. Talk to Him. Talk with Him. and And have an experience with Him. Prayer's the same. And here's the thing, just like it took time for me to figure out the best way to communicate with Trinity so that we could have a connection over the last 28 years, so it is with prayer. It, it's going to take you some time. We, we, our problem is we live in an instantaneous society. And so, you know, we go through McDonald's drive through and they say there's a 30-second wait on your hamburger and you, you just about have a cardiac arrest because you have to wait 30 seconds for food. What do I get for free? <laughs> you know, and so with God, we do the same thing. We come in, I've tried prayer and it just didn't work. Well, no, but did you quit after one conversation with the woman that you married that you love? I had to fight for her. There's other guys lining up. So I had to get in there. I didn't have much game, so I had to learn conversation pretty quick, yeah? Somebody else who will remain anonymous and doesn't have much game, according to his brother. It's a private joke. But here's the thing. Just like it takes time in marriage to figure out how to communicate, So it does in prayer. And the end goal is this. As it is in marriage, as it is in prayer, or as it is in any relationship, the end goal is a relational connection with God. Life with God. Luke 11.1 says this. I've read it already before. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Do you know that this is the only time in all of Scripture that the disciples ever specifically asked Jesus to teach them something? Not once did they pull Jesus aside and say, can you teach us how to pray for healing? Can you teach us how to cast out demons? Can you teach us how to raise the dead? Can you t-? Never once did they ask any of those things. But this one thing they did ask, teach us to pray. Teach us to to pray. And here's the crazy thing about it. It's not that the disciples didn't pray. All Jewish people prayed. They had a thing when they grew up. It was a practice of them to pray three times a day at the temple, morning, midday, and evening. Every day they would go to the temple and they would pray morning, midday 
and evening. In fact, some biblical scholars and some historians believe that where, where the Muslims got their idea of praying three times a day was from the early church. Was from the church because the church prayed three times. These guys knew how to pray. They prayed. They turned up to the temple and they prayed three times a day. It was their spiritual practice. It was their spiritual rhythm. They knew how to pray. So why are they asking Jesus to teach them how to pray? I mean, here's proof that the early church had their spiritual rhythms. Acts 3.1 says this, One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. And so this is a story of them healing the man who was lame at Gate Beautiful. They were going to the temple at the time of prayer, as they were accustomed to do. Acts 10.9 says this, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Why? Because it was noontime. That was prayer time. That was what their custom was. Acts 4, 23 to 24 says this, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Have you ever wondered in that particular scripture right there how Peter and that got Peter and John managed to get the whole entire church there for a prayer meeting without texting, emailing, or social media to let everybody know? They were all there because that was their custom to be there to pray at this particular time. They had a spiritual rhythm of prayer already. It was, it was already in their lifestyle, was already part of who they are. They had a three-part daily prayer rhythm that was the anchor point of the early church, and the result of their prayer was an indwelling of intimacy with God and an outpouring of the power of God. All the way through the book of Acts, if you, if you read it, you will find the disciples, every time they were on their way to pray, that something supernatural of the power of God happened. The first miracle, as I mentioned, after the ascension of Jesus to heaven was Peter and John on their way to pray and the man lame at Gate Beautiful. There is a connection. There seems to be a connection all the way through the book of Acts between prayer and the power of the supernatural. Are you with me? In fact, in every revival throughout history of the world has always had its beginnings in prayer. Every single one of them. Maybe the reason why we don't see the power of God or the move of the supernatural or the outpouring of the power of God in the modern church is because we don't see the same commitment to prayer in the modern church as they had in the early church. And maybe it's time for us, the modern church, to reclaim the daily spiritual rhythm of prayer so that we can see the release of the supernatural power of God and our lives and in our community. See, prayer isn't just a ritual that we do. There's power in prayer. Can I get an amen, at least, from some of you who may believe it? Jesus, as he was growing up, observed 
the daily prayer at the temple, the three times a day. But Jesus also had this spontaneous time where he would go off to pray. That wasn't planned. It was just something that he did. And I think sometimes our struggle is when it comes to prayer is that we think it always has to be the spontaneous type of thing that we just kind of do in the moment. You know, the amount of people I know that it's like they think the suddenlies of God, like in the book of Acts where it says suddenly, like a rushing wind, and the Holy Spirit comes and sits like tongues of fire upon it. And they think that the Holy Spirit is a spontaneous kind of like, no plan, just kind of rocks up and spontaneous. That's not how the Spirit of God works because 400 years earlier, he prophesied that that day would happen. God is not off the cuff like, oh, what should we do today, Gabriel? Oh, let's try this. He has a plan and a purpose for your life before you lived one day of your life. He had written every single day of your life in his book. He not, he's not, we think he's spontaneous. God's got a plan. It's a suddenly to us, but it's never a sudden to him. I think to him it's a like, oh, about time. About time you got on your knees and prayed. Jesus had a prayer rhythm of the morning, the midday, the evening, and also spontaneous prayer. And the disciples had seen Jesus prayer practice, or Jesus' spiritual rhythm of prayer. They'd seen Jesus' prayer life, and they saw something in his prayer life that they didn't have in their prayer life. Because remember, these guys knew how to pray. They prayed. But they're looking at Jesus, and they're going, we pray, but, but not like that. Teach us how to pray like that. And the thing about Jesus' prayer, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, is that it was incredibly scandalous when Jesus said it. Because Jesus made it very intimate. And if you understand anything about the religious Pharisees and Sadducees and the different people like that, the so-called scholars of the Torah, is that God was aloof. He was never close. It was not a personal relationship with God. And so he says, they say to him, teach us to pray, and then he says the Lord's Prayer, and it becomes very, very personal. But here's the thing about the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't off the cuff. Jesus didn't really make it up. He, he kind of like took a prayer they already had, which is called the Kaddish, which is a prayer they already prayed in the temple daily, and he kind of jazzed it up a little bit. He kind of made it a little bit personal. Let me tell you, let me read you what the Kadesh says. This is what it says. It says, May the great name of God be exalted and sanctified throughout the world, which he has created according to his will. May his kingship be established in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the entire household of Israel, swiftly and in the near future, and say, Amen. How many people know that that sounds really close to our Father who art in heaven? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The difference is the Kadesh is something that they prayed to a God who is distant. Jesus says, hey, let me just zhush that up a little bit. 
And here's how I pray. And it was scandalous because it was intimate. Our Father. See, it's always, prayer has always been end goal about relationship with God. Not about the results of prayer, but the relationship of prayer. Luke 11, 2 to 4, he says to his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. You see, Jesus doesn't get to asking God for needs and wants until he's halfway through the prayer. The first part of the prayer I believe, shows us what our heart posture should be towards prayer. And if we have the right heart posture towards prayer, then I think that our wants and our needs will always be answered in prayer, but the posture has to be right. Let me put it this way. If one of my kids came up to me after the service this morning and said, take me to McDonald's for lunch, my answer would be, no. If they came up to me and said, hey, Dad, really appreciate you, and I'd love to, can we, can we hang out and have lunch together? My answer would be, still be no. No, nah, just, <laughs> it'd be yes. Why? Because the heart posture. I really love, I would love to hang out with you, Dad. I just want to spend some time with you. Can we do that? Of course we can. Take me to lunch. Get stuffed. Come on. And so what we've been taught is this is, this is the how-tos of prayer. And, and God all along is going, hey, the how-tos aren't wrong. Problem is your heart posture started wrong. And so the how-tos become irrelevant because you don't understand. I want relationship. And it's out of relationship that I respond. doesn't get to ask him for what he wants until he gets halfway for his prayer. Most of us start with our needs. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But it can feel like what we're doing is reading out our Christmas list to a Santa in the sky rather than a father that we have relationship with. There is a time and place to ask God for what we want and what we need. But first, there is a way to posture our hearts in prayer. And I believe in the first part of the Lord's Prayer, God gives us Jesus gives us the keys. And the first one is this. Father. Father. God is your Father. Jesus thought of God as his Father, and he wants you to do the same. He wants you to approach him as Father. Now, for some of you, this can be really, really difficult because your earthly father was not a good father. And so it's hard for you to see God as father if your father was abusive and you have father wounds from your earthly father. 
it becomes really difficult to see God as Father. So how do you pray to God as Father when your relationship with your natural Father is full of trauma and pain and wounds? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. It takes time. It may take you a while and you may have to journey for emotional and spiritual healing to get to the place where you can call God Father and know that as Father, His intentions are always good towards you and so that you can trust Him and you can surrender to Him and you can yield to what He's asking you to do because you know that His intentions are always for your good. But if your earthly father has caused you pain, you have to go on a journey of emotional and spiritual healing because if you don't do that, you will cloud Father God based on your father. You will not see him as loving. You will not see him full of grace and mercy and peace because your earthly dad never brought that to you. But I want to tell you that that journey of healing is worth it because he's a good, good God. And when it comes to prayer, who you see that you are praying to will make or break your prayer life. If you see Father God the same as your earthly father, then it will break your prayer life. You won't, you won't want to pray to him. And to be honest with you, if Father God was like how your father has treated you, you wouldn't want to pray to that kind of God. Would you? So unless we break the stronghold of false images of God in our minds, we'll never be drawn to prayer because we'll never approach him as Father. We'll approach him as a hard taskmaster or an unfair God or a busy God that doesn't have time for you, little person on the planet. You see, here's the thing. The angels have been locked in a room with God for thousands of years and they can still only say one word to him. Holy, holy, holy. If you're bored with God, you might be the person who's boring. Or it could be that you've been distracted by our culture's view of God. I want to help you this morning. I had a great dad. I loved being in his presence. But even this week, I've had to make a shift in my thinking and going, hold on, I love being around my dad. Why in my head have I made it not the same to be around my father? You know what it is? It's because sometimes I've seen God as a hard taskmaster. Or sometimes I pray, I believe in prayer, I've prayed my whole entire life. But if I'm honest with you, a lot of my prayer life until probably the last four or five years, a lot of my prayer life was just like, I'm going to pray because I know I need to pray. But if God doesn't answer, that, I know he's busy. If I'm really honest with you, that's my response. 
Oh, let me put it this way. You would do it this way. Oh, he's sovereign, so it'll be what it's going to be. It is what it is. Sorry. If you think God is a hard taskmaster in the sky, mad at the world, or you see him as a CEO of the universe that is way too busy to answer you, or have no time for you, you will never want to pray. Who would? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If that was Father, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to pray to him. You will never have a desire on the inside of you that wants to be with Father if you see him this way. And if you think God is your Father, then your posture is different. When you see him as Father, you you want to get in his presence. You want to be around him. You want to hang out with him. You see, I think I'm an okay dad. I think I'm pretty good most of the time. I wouldn't say I'm a great dad because I make mistakes, I have faults, and I feel at a loss sometimes raising my children. Can I get an amen? But especially when my kids were little, when I get home from work, I never had to go and find my kids for them to talk to me. Especially when Maddie was little, she'd talk your ears off as soon as you walked through the door. They would run to me I couldn't even get out of the car half the time. I saw that this morning as Pete Dooley's standing in the foyer talking to Saskia and myself. And every Sunday when Amanda turns up with Ben and Gemma, those two kids run and hug their dad straight away. He doesn't have to go and find them to say hello. They, they want to be around him. They want to talk to him. Now, as my kids have got older, especially teenagers, it tends to be one-word answers. And, and, and you love those one minute, one minute of intimacy that you get with them as they grunt at you. you. You cherish those. Or when your daughter comes up as a teenager and gives you a hug for the first time in about a week, and then you go, oh, you're going to hug me today, are you? And then she turns around and goes, oh, not now, I'm not. And then your wife looks at you and goes, you idiot, you just blew it. Here's the thing. I generally think my kids want to be with me. They want to hang out and go and do things together. And one of the things they want to do when the fast is over is they want to go to the seafood boil restaurant and have all the seafood. You see, my kids have no problem, and your kids probably too have no problem, asking, can we go here? Can we go there? Can we eat here? Can we go on holiday? Can we do this? Can we go to the movies? Can we do it? Can we go on a family date? And dad, can you pay for it? They have no problem asking you to pay for stuff, yes? They don't ever come up to you and go, oh, kind of just hoping. They just come in with it like, you're paying. <laughs> they don't hesitate to ask me. Kids are drawn My kids are drawn to me because they know that I'm their father and that I have good intentions towards them. And Jesus is saying, hey, hey, first and foremost, you have to believe that God is your father before anything else when it comes to prayer. You've got to go, hey, he's my dad. He's got good intentions. He loves me. He wants me to be around him and he wants to be around me and he wants a relationship with me. And I know he wants a relationship with me because he sacrificed his son on the cross so that he could. And no one else has ever done that for me. 
Father loves me, likes me, likes being around me, and I love him, and I like him, and I like being around him. And Jesus says, before you even pray, you've got to get your heart in the right position and go, he's Father. I'm not approaching a taskmaster or a CEO of an international company. I'm approaching my dad. And so it starts with that. And Jesus is trying to get us to believe this because most of us don't. Prayer will be a tiresome task if we don't start from a heart position of talking with dad rather than taskmaster. The second thing is, is God is as close as the air is against your skin. Our Father in heaven. Our problem with the word heaven is that we think heaven is way up there somewhere and we're way down here somewhere. So God is an absent father. He's a distant father. The problem is, is that the, the English words are so poor when it comes to the Greek. But in the Greek, the word heaven is actually a plural word. Not, so it, it's, it's better translated heavens, our father in the heavens. The word heaven in the Greek literally means ear or sky. So hear it this way, our father in the ear, where is ear? Ear is all around you. It's up against your skin. And here's the crazy thing, ear is also inside you. That's how close father is to you. It's not our Father who's way up there, but our Father who's in here and around me and touching me and all over me. I remember once praying in the room in a room and saying to God, where are you in the room? And God speaks to me because I'm a bit thick, so God has to speak to me in a particular way. He won't speak to you like this because you're lovely people, but he said to me, stupid, I am the room. I'm not in the room, I am the room. Our God the Bible teaches us, inhabits all of the earth. He is in all things, around all things. He is as close to you as the air is to your skin. And the danger of thinking heaven is a far off place we go to in the future instead of the heavens as in all around us, can't, the danger of that can't be put into words because we will feel like God is distant and that God is absent and we won't feel close to God. But I wanna tell you that you are close to God all the time. He is always around you. The reality is there is nowhere where God is not. God does not know how to be absent. He's always around you, always with you, always by you. That's why he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even when you sin, he doesn't run for the hills. He's standing there with open arms, ready to embrace you back after you've repented and returned your heart back to him. He doesn't run away. We see that in the prodigal son story. It's the father that saw the son afar off, and it's the father who ran to the son, not the son who ran to the father. He is always around you. The reality is there's nowhere where he isn't. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, think of God as your father and know and understand he is always right there with you. As close as the air is against your skin, he's all around you. The third thing is the primary goal of prayer is joy of the father's company. 
hallowed be your name. It's not really a word we use. You don't usually arrive home from work and walk up to your wife and go, hallowed be. It's not really, maybe some of you do, um, it's not really a word that we use, but hallowed basically means to set apart as holy. And we think of holy as a moral word. We think of holy as a particular moral standard of lifestyle. And it is a moral word to a degree, but the word holy in the Greek also means this. It means to be beautiful, unique, special, without any parallel in the universe. In other words, nothing to compare the beauty and the specialness of it. So it says God is holy, he is good, he is beautiful, he is unique, he is special, there's no one else like him. God is in in all the universe, there's nothing like God. And as you approach God with the sense of how good and how beautiful and how special God is, you start to experience the beauty of his love and his joy and his peace in your life because it's through prayer that you start to experience the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in your life. When you pray, you tap into the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is love and joy and peace. And Jesus is saying here, the main point of prayer is not just to ask God for stuff. That's part of prayer, but it's not the main point of prayer. The main point of prayer is to be with the Father and to tap into his love, his joy, and his peace. And if we need anything in the world today, we need people tapping into his love, his joy, and his peace. And the fourth thing and last thing I want to say to you as we posture our hearts. One, he's father. One, he is all around us. One, he is good and beautiful. And when you get in his presence, you will experience all of that in your own life. But this one here really hit me big this week. Your prayers, number four, your prayers really do make a difference. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember the disciples are like, teach us how to pray. Jesus here is saying that the main way the kingdom of God will come to earth as it is in heaven is through prayer. I don't know about you, but that sat really weighty on me this week. That Jesus decided, or God decided that one of the main ways to get his will on earth as it is in heaven is through our prayers. I feel like that's a weight of responsibility that's way too big for me to carry. But it's a responsibility he has given us anyway. And the thing is, if I'm really honest with you, where it rocked me this week is that sometimes I don't necessarily believe that. And Jesus is saying, your prayers change reality and usher heaven into earth. And most of us, don't believe our prayers make a difference. We don't actually believe that our prayers make a difference. We have a belief most of the time that is what is going to happen is going to happen with or without my prayers. We spiritualize it by saying things like God is in control, everything happens for a reason, whatever it might be, it is what it is, as I said earlier. And Jesus here seems to be teaching his disciples, and Jesus seems to believe that when you pray, something happens, and when you don't pray, some things don't happen. 
He's, he's tending to say, hey, when you pray, things change, and when you don't pray, things don't change. Things stay the same. Most of us don't believe our prayers make a difference. So prayer becomes a task and a dead weight to us. Our requests make a difference in what God does and what God does not do. What would be the point of Jesus teaching us to pray if it has no effect or makes no difference whether we pray or not? What would be the point? It would just become a religious ritual and it would be pointless. But when you pray, come to God with a realisation that what you are about to pray has the potential to change your reality and change the reality of those that you're praying for. When we come with a posture of expectation in our heart, that's what we come to. We go, he's our father. He is always with me. When I'm in his presence, I experience the joy and the love and the peace of God. And then when I bring my requests, because my heart posture is filled with expectation of a loving father who wants to do good things by me and by those that I love, that my prayers make a difference. My prayers change reality. I've started praying like this. Father, I thank you that my prayers bend people's reality into the will of the Father. My prayers bend the reality of circumstances into the will of the Father. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as long as my prayers are in line with His will, I have the potential to bend people's reality to the will of God. So someone with cancer in their body, it's not the end of their world because we have the potential as it is in heaven, healing, wholeness and health so it can be on earth. So as we pray, Pray for healing. We have the potential to bend the reality of cancer to the will of God and bring healing into their lives. For people that are going through marriage difficulties, we have the ability to pray that bends their reality from breakup to breakthrough. Come on. We have the potential to bend the reality of people in our lives from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light when we come with the right posture. He's Father. He's with me. I experience joy in His presence. And my prayers change things. When that is the posture, why wouldn't you want to pray? Why wouldn't you want to be in His presence? I don't know about you, but I've got some reality that needs bending. To his will. Is anybody like that in the place today? You got family and friends, and you want to see the reality of their souls bend to the reality of God's will for their life, that all people shall be saved. You and your family. Come on. We can't. We can't not pray. Our Father hears our prayers, He responds to our prayers. It's a responsibility that we have to bring heaven to earth. You're partnering with the Spirit of God to bend the reality into the direction of God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So what do we do? Well, we approach prayer knowing that God is our Father, whose intentions are only ever for our good, that He's not far away, but He's right here with us always. And the goal of prayer 
is to experience His presence, to experience His love, His joy, and His peace. And that out of that, our prayers matter and make a huge difference. And if we approach prayer with that posture, then we can pray the next part, which is in Luke 3. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Because when we posture our hearts right first, then the intention of our requests are godly. And not with our own personal agenda. So what do we do? I want to encourage you, get yourself a daily prayer rhythm. I've started praying three times a day. I got inspired by the early church. I started praying three times a day. In the morning, I pray through the Lord's Prayer. I pray through that for about 10 minutes. Not, you know, some of you that got that call, gift on your life, you can go for hours. God bless you. I go for 10 minutes on the Lord's Prayer in the morning. At midday, I've been praying for the lost. The lost. That people would find Christ. That the lost would be saved. And then in the evening, I've been, I've been praying gratitude, just thanking God. Thanking Him for everything that He's done. Just appreciating what He has done in my life and what He's doing. And I, and I, found, this, I found this really cool app. Hopefully we can bring it up. Andre, have we got? Can we can we bring it up? Bring up my phone. I'll just I'll just tune it in now. Is it picking it up? Oh. Oh, it's a bit it's a bit wobbly. But I found this really cool app on Wednesday. It's called In a Room. Now I know I've been bashing your phones lately. But this is a good app. This is a good distraction. It's called In A Room and you just click on it and you can see I've got three specific prayer points that I've been praying for. One says everyone. That's the salvation prayer. I'm praying for everybody to get saved. I'm not picky. I don't mind who gets saved. Then there's another one for the town and the city in it. And I'm praying for Franklin, for this district, praying for the businesses, praying for you know, that we would see godly leadership in our community and all that sort of stuff. And then I've got another one there. You can see Revive Pukekohe, and that's you. I'm praying for you. And since I downloaded this app on Wednesday, I've prayed nearly five hours. And four days. Come on. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Before I downloaded this app and it started to help me with a daily prayer rhythm, I'd be lucky if I prayed 20 minutes a day. And the cool thing is, is that's my board up the top. It says my board up there. You can change that. And you can go to a daily prayer rhythm where it gives you an introduction to prayer and then your morning prayer and then your midday prayer and your evening prayer. How cool is that? And then, and then go back to my board. When I open it up, if I'm going to pray for Revive Pukekohe, it just, it goes, pray, pray now. So I go, 
cool, I've got to spare 10 minutes. I'll pray now. And then it goes 10 minutes. You can change that to three minutes if you can't pray for 10 minutes. I've got audio off, but you can put audio on and it plays acoustic music or, or inspirational kind of music and it gives you pointers as you go along. It says things like, now stop and spend 10 seconds just listening to God's voice. Because remember, it's not talking to Him, it's talking with Him. And I've just found this incredibly cool and incredibly helpful for me. And I, I just wanted to show it to you. you. You can choose other things. You don't have to choose the ones that I've chosen. There's a whole bunch of different ones, that topics that you can choose. I'll see if I can, oh, I've only got, I've only got, if I go into edit maybe. So there's all these different topics, friends and family, salvation, myself, church, town, city, country, uncategorized. I don't know what that means, but sounds awesome. But that's what I've been doing. And you know what I found myself doing is like, rather than waiting for a coffee and scrolling through social media, you know what I've been doing? I've been going, I've got to spare three minutes. I open up my prayer app. I'm going to pray for Revive Pukekohe for three minutes. And so I just stand there in the line. Nobody knows what I'm doing because I'm not, I'm not standing in line at the coffee shop going, because everyone will think you're weird. And we don't want people to think we're weird. But I am standing in line going, God, I think, I th you know, under my, God, I thank you. Thank you for Revive Pukekohe. Thank you, God, that you're changing people's lives. I thank you, God, that we've got people that are committed to pursuing you with all that they've got. I thank you, God, that the great gifts and talents that they have. I pray for those that are, and I'll just do that for three minutes. Or else I'll go to everyone and I'll just pinpoint someone in the cafe and I'll just stare at them. When they look my way, I look away and I just stare at them and I go, God, I pray for salvation for that person. I pray that you put Christian friends around them, that they would have an encounter with you, that you'd start to sow a seed of salvation. I don't care whether they come to Revive Pukekohe or they go to one of the other churches. I don't care. I just want them to get saved. Lord, put the right people around them. If you need to, bring them to their knees so that they will acknowledge you as their Lord and say, I just pray like that. I walk past businesses and I just go, you know what? I'm going to stand outside this business for three minutes and I'm just going to pray for it. They probably think, what the heck is that guy doing outside? One guy, I got the fright of my life because I, I, I got a little bit bold this week um, as I was walking through and I thought, you know what, I'm going to lay hands on the building. And he came out and he goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, nothing, just stretching. <laughs> and, then I, and then I thought to myself, why am I saying that? And I said, oh, I'm just praying for your business. You're what? Praying for your business. Do you want something? No, I'm just praying for your business. I'm just praying that it'll be blessed. It's been a tough three years. I'm just praying that God will bless your business. All right, book's back in the shop. I thought I might have got to thank you, but no. But I encourage you, get yourself a daily prayer rhythm. Do it. Do it. Download the app. Do it. Come 6.30 a.m. Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Tuesday. Grab some friends on Wednesday and do a prayer walk and pray over the different letterboxes. I've done that before too, laid hands on letterboxes and people get really freaked out when you do that because they think you're stealing their mail or something. But you know what, we have time. My drive from Pocono to the office takes 12 minutes. 10 minutes of prayer. Like, you just, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you just, you do the shift in your head of like, this is not a burden. 
this is great. I get to commune with Father. I, I, he's all around me. I get to talk with Him. I get to experience His love and His peace and His joy and His goodness because I'm in His presence. And not only that, as I'm praying with Him, my prayers being the reality of people's lives to the will of God. Man, when you approach prayer like that, it doesn't matter how you pray because the heart posture is right. And I want to encourage you. really want to encourage you. Buy this book. Download the app. Prayer is not burdensome. Prayer is all about a relationship with Father who loves us. And I want to encourage you. We can do this, church. We can make this part. How am I going to pray at midday? Go for a walk from work. You're entitled at least to a half hour break. Unless you're a really slow eater, it's not going to take you 30 minutes to eat your sandwich. I used to do that all the time when I was younger. Funny thing is, I'm working here at the church and I stopped doing it, which is just weird, right? You'd think I'd do it all the more. But I used to do that. I used to just go for a walk at lunchtime and I'd just pray for 10 minutes. You can fit it in. Our problem is, is we think prayer, we think wall room, closet, six hours. That's intercessory prayer. That's not relationship prayer. Are you with me? We can all do this. And I tell you, it'll change your life. Father, we pray for every single person in this building right now and every single person that's watching online right now. God, our heart is to have relationship with you. It's our desire. It's what you created us to be. It's why you sent your son. The moment sin entered the world, you planned to bring us back to you. And prayer is the most important thing that we could do or one of the most important things that we could do because it's about a relationship with you. Help us to talk with you and not to you. Help us to get healed of our emotional and spiritual trauma so that we can actually see you as a Father who's loving and good and gracious and kind towards us. That we'd understand that you're not aloof and you're not far off and you're not absent, but you are all around us and in us. And we can experience your love, your joy and your peace. And from that place, we can pray prayers that bend the reality of people's circumstances to the will and the purposes of God. Through prayer, we can change our world. So give them the ability to do it. Stick with them on the journey, God. Let them not beat themselves up when they fail, but let them just continue to pursue a relationship with you. In Jesus' name.